Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. But talk can be enlightening. It's very rarely frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Welcome to the Nerdist Writers Panel series, an informal chat about writing, television, and the business of writing television. Each and every panel benefits 826LA, the national nonprofit tutoring program. For more information on 826LA, visit 826LA.org. I'm your moderator, Ben Blacker. I'm the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, a stage program in the style of old-time radio, and a podcast here on Nerdist. Uh, For more information, visit thrillingadventurehour.com. I've also written for the television series Super Ninjas and Supernatural. We have a group of writers with us today who are awesome, and let's get right to them. First up, a writing team who have been together over 10 years, having worked on such series as Angel and The Shield. They co-created the series Women's Murder Club and were showrunners on Dollhouse before moving to Lie to Me and most recently The Vampire Diaries and developing a couple of their own pilots, all of which we will hear about. Please welcome Elizabeth Kraft and Sarah Fain. Our next panelist has uh, credits including Terriers and The Walking Dead. Please welcome Angela Kang. Thanks for joining us. Uh, And finally, with a background as an actor and playwright, our final panelist is the creator of Fox's hit sitcom, The New Girl, Liz Merriweather. So I, I was telling these guys uh, beforehand that I like to start with the, the most difficult question. Um, because oftentimes I have a difficult question, and then we talk about breaking in, and I forget to ask my question. So here's the most difficult question. Um, I'm curious about, and I'll start with Liz and Sarah, uh, about your experience running uh, Dollhouse. Because it was an interesting show, especially for those of us who had been with Joss, you know, from Buffy and Angel... Um, and we're very excited about this show, but it seemed like a very confused show. Uh, tell us about your experience <laughs> on the show, running the show. Uh, how was it behind the scenes? Uh, should I start? Yeah. Uh, well, I will start with saying we were not running the show. <laughs> um, even though Josh, for some reason, he liked to say we were running the show, and he told us we were running the show. I mean, a Joss Whedon show is run by Joss Whedon. So, you know... As it should be. Um, but we were instrumental in the show and, and there with Joss every step of the way for the first season. Um, and, I, I mean, I think it's a simple, it's the oldest story, you know, in TV. He sold one show. Uh, and when it came time to actually make it, the network sort of got scared and wanted it to be mission of the week. <laughs> And that's not what Joss does. So do you know, what was that initial pitch? What did you guys come into the show thinking the show was? Well, I mean, you know, the show in a lot of ways was sort of a, an intellectual fantasy um, about kind of the potential of human beings and who are we if we're stripped away and how can we be programmed and what do people need? And, you know, it was, 
Um, I don't think there's any kind of clear way to say this is what Dollhouse is about. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I think, is what kind of scared the network, um, understandably. Sure. Um, so, you know, when they started to feel the need to really constrain it, and also, you know, there was certainly a, um, we were just talking about this, this uh, kind of prostitution-y angle to the whole thing, you <laughs> yeah, know. Um, so you're basically selling people a, a lot of the time for sex, sometimes not, but um, that I think the network was really concerned about, that maybe they didn't kind of fully comprehend at the pitch stage. Um, How that wasn't glaring. <laughs> like, you nice, think, right? We all were sitting there going, well, well did yeah. you think yeah. the show? <laughs> um, but as soon as that kind of became clear to them, then they started to really kind of constrict the, the world mm -hmm. um, and get really concerned about that. So I think the show felt confused at the beginning because it was confused. Um, and then kind of as the network really let go a little bit and, and let the writers, which really didn't happen frankly, until we were gone. Mm -hmm. um, we can take no season. credit for the good. <laughs> <laughs> the show actually, I think, got really good and really interesting mm -hmm. um, when people were just kind of free to go with the premise. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, when you guys were there in that first season and it was sort of being pulled in all different directions, uh, where did you stand? I mean, you, were you under a network deal at the time or a studio deal, and that's how you wound up there, or was it because of Angel? How did you wind up there? Well, we were we had a deal with 20th, okay. and we were fired from our own show, Women's Murder Club, after the strike. Uh, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> and Joss, of course, you know, we have a long relationship mm -hmm. with from Angel, and we knew about the show. Um, we had talked with him about it on the, the picket lines because <laughs> this was right after the strike. And basically, we were fired on a Monday. Wednesday, Joss called us. Friday, we had a three-hour lunch at Shutters, in which he pitched us the entire, you know, everything he'd pitched the network and what he'd been thinking. And Monday, we were working. So it was that. Wow. So that's kind of how we came to it. And of course, you know, Joss Whedon pitches you something, you're in. I mean, it was it was a very easy decision for us. And of course, we always just wanted it to be what Joss wanted, which was interesting, mythology-heavy. Um, you know, all the things that I'm sure the fans were hoping it sure. would be. But, of course, you know, everyone is, you know, it's TV writers. You want to please the network and you want the show to go to, to be successful. So, you know, we were all trying to do all things. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, always fails, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was hard. But yeah. it was hard for everyone, especially Joss. Um, and I think we were just going, God, I'm so glad that we're not actually running the show like everyone <laughs> thinks we are. <laughs> um, that's interesting. And we'll talk about how your experiences there kind of informed the next thing. Uh, but let's leave it there for a minute. Angela, uh, you are on The Walking Dead right now. Yes. And speaking of, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> you guys watch this program at all? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Tell me via your applause. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell us how you came to be on this show. And this is also a show that's kind of being pulled in a lot of different ways or it has a lot of uh, contention around it, a lot of personalities. What is it like being in the middle of all of this? 
Um, I guess I'll start with how I got on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was really just a normal sort of agent manager submission process. I'm still like a pretty low level writer. I'm just a story editor, which is like a level above staff writer. But this is my third show that I've been a writer on. Um, and I had been on the show Terriers in 2010. Oh, thanks. Thanks for the Terriers love. So you guys are watching. Um, but but uh, only you guys. Yeah, like pretty much this room might have watched. So um, I had some time off. You know, like Terriers ended at kind of like just past network staffing season time. So like I sort of like missed out on that staffing. Plus we didn't know how the show would do or if it would come back for a second season. So... I was sort of in limbo for a few months, and I was just writing a new um, spec pilot. And um, I just heard through my manager that they were looking for a few writers for The Walking Dead second season. And uh, I loved the first season of the show. I'd read all the comic books, and so I was just, like, a huge fan. I loved the show. And um, I finished this pilot, like, a day before, like, it needed to be sent out to read, be read, and uh, it just quickly kind of made its way up through the levels, and Frank Darabont, like, he read it and loved it, and so he called me in for a meeting, and then, like, I was hired, like, that afternoon, so it actually happened really quickly once it happens, um, and then we started work, like, the week after, um, and then what was the other, what's the difficult? Well, there are a lot of personnel changes you there. Know, yeah. Can you can you talk about that at I, all? I kind of like. Or does it not touch you at your level? I mean, obviously, like it touched all of us. Like it was mm-hmm. a huge thing. Like I feel like it's a little. I kind of can't really talk about some of it because it like it just involves a lot of people and like their personal conflicts. And in a way, like the writers, we don't even know exactly everything that went down. You but know, I wonder like, about how, I mean, do you guys work in a room? How yes. does the show work? So how did it yeah. affect the room creatively, um, if at all? Yeah, I mean, well, what was hard was that it all went down, like, right in the middle of us being in production. So I think we were in, we had written the first seven or eight scripts, I think, and we had, like, a really unusual way of writing scripts mm-hmm. on the show, which I can talk about later, but um, it kind of worked really well. We banked a bunch of scripts at the beginning, and then, um, so we were in production on episode five of the season, and you know we're trying, to, we're ramping up to get the others produced. And then it all kind of happened. It happened right after Comic Con, which everybody had taken days off, to, and we all went, and it was great. And you know, so it's sort of in the middle of everything. Like there was a showrunner change, and like even though the rest of the writing staff stayed the same, we all had to kind of figure out like what all needed to be done. We all, you know, it just kind of like was a huge, you know, kerfuffle in the middle of <laughs> everything. It kind of like you know, but like the nice thing is everybody kind of rallied and like we figured out how to get it done. But it is a huge change, and like not only like removing a showrunner, but then you're down a writer, and we never like added another writer. So then it's like all the other writers had like we all had to do that much more work. Oh, sure. and how like, big is the staff? It's really small. It's uh. Glenn Mazzara is the showrunner. Robert Kirkman is executive producer, creator. He also is with us. And then there's three of us that okay. are the rest of the staff. Yeah. So it's a very small <laughs> staff. Tiny, tiny, tiny staff. Well, you had eight scripts banked. Yes. So, so that helped. But then it's, you know, then we got yeah. a little behind. So. Interesting. Uh, all right. Well, well, we'll talk about uh, Terriers and the other stuff in a minute. Um, but also... You guys should adjust your mics so they're a little closer to you. Um, Liz... Yes. I fucking love the new girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
There is a prostitution angle. <laughs> Fox loved it. I don't know what. <laughs> sure, they learned. Yeah. Um, Zoe was a hoe that moved in with three guys. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, here, one of the things I love about the show is she is, and I said this last week, but she is such a weirdo basket case. <laughs> Uh, and, and Where did that come from? I don't know. Here's my question. Get ready. Um, no, uh, seriously though, I, it seems a very extreme kind of character, and I wonder if there's ever pushback from the network on how far you can take her, or do you have to make her more cuddly and, you know, likable? She is pretty cuddly. You get a, you get a long way uh, having a Deschanel no, in there. We actually, I, it was so weird because I've, I've definitely like I. Um, hearing your story and you know I'm also at Fox and like it, I was just like yeah I mean I've definitely like been in I, when I first got to LA I wrote this pilot called Sluts that we yeah, that we that we, <laughs> sh- we shot but um, surprisingly never made it to series <laughs> um, it was like about like a bunch of 23 year old girls who were basically sluts <laughs> and, like, and, like, I think it would have done really well but I don't know um uh, but, you know, at that time, there was, like, a lot of, like, pushback from the network about, like, I don't understand, like, how can she be smart and also, like, sex? And it was like, uh, you know, like, like, when you're in the room with the people trying to explain that, you're like, uh, this isn't going to work out. <laughs> but um, weirdly, like, this time around, I, I'd never met Kevin Riley until he'd already picked it up to shoot to the pilot. And I went in for my first notes meeting kind of like you know like what is going to happen and the first thing he said was like I really want to protect this character I want to make her unique I want to like do everything I can to make sure that this still feels like really you and and your voice and it was honestly like I was just like what (laughs) I was like I was like what is this HBO like come on so I mean I actually think like I mean, it sounds like I'm being a kiss ass, but I it, that actually happened, and it, ma- it made like all the difference. And I don't think that the show would work if it if he hadn't gone into it with that attitude. And um, so yeah, we really haven't had a lot of like, if anything, sometimes they're like, you're not pushing this far enough, or like you're not making this character dimensional. <laughs> like, is that a word, dimensional? You're not giving this character enough dimensions, mm-hmm. which is like really surprising coming from a network. Exact of just like this character needs to be deeper and more interesting. <laughs> like, like, okay. um, I thought I could just tell jokes, you know, but I mean that's that's been like really, really gratifying. And, Do you guys worry in the room about where the line is for this character? Well, in what way, like line about like, oh, pushing like, her too, too crazy, far? Yeah, we, I mean, I think that I think like you know they sold the show and they did a great job selling it um, as like adorable or whatever, mm-hmm. but that like wasn't. <laughs> initial idea for it. um, I'm not a huge fan of like putting two words together to make another word. Um, But apparently America is like I don't know. I don't I don't wanna like fight that. But um uh, I mean I think that I'm more like I don't wanna like ever write to to I don't want to write to quirkiness or like write to a dorkability. I want to just like let that happen and make it feel real. I think that's I think that's where we could like you know potentially veer off course if like we're kind of like like forcing the quirkiness if that makes sense. So I think that's what that's the line I think I'm mostly watching out for in the room. And it could still really all go to hell like tonight (laughs) even you know (laughs) who knows. 
We look forward to finding out. <laughs> I can uh, definitely fuck this up. <laughs> for sure. Like, maybe this week. I, I like your confidence. Yeah. <laughs> she could definitely fuck this up. <laughs> um, Isn't look- it adorable? <laughs> If only there were a word for putting two words together. <laughs> a fuckable. <laughs> Sorry. Um, let's uh, take a step back and talk about breaking. Yeah, you need a break. <laughs> talk about breaking into this business. Um, Liz and Sarah, how did you get started here? Uh, and how did you guys become partners? I know you're probably sick of telling the story. I work with a partner. We are fucking sick of telling the story. Uh, we have the same name, so it's even worse. Uh, but how did you guys become partners? You can tell the brief or fictional version if you want. And then uh, tell us about breaking in. At one point, we were going to make up a story about having met in a war or something. <laughs> but the real story is that we went to high school together. Um, and so we've known each other forever. Um, Shout out to Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> With a lot of listeners there. A lot of people want to... They want to know about the community writers there. I don't know why. Um, and then we just sort of actually happened to be moving to L.A. at the same time. I, well, I was moving... This is, this is the story. I was moving to L.A. and driving cross-country with my, you know, all my crap in a van and um, stopped in Kansas City for Christmas and Liz and I went out for drinks and beer won. She was like, I'm totally coming to visit you. For like three weeks, I'm coming to visit you. And beer three, she was like, I'm moving to L.A. (laughs) Um, And then we did. Um, And, you know, we had a little house on the beach in Santa Monica um, and sort of... Accidentally started writing together, really. Well, how did it happen? How, how did that accident happen? <laughs> did one of you, here, I'll tell you how it happened with us. Okay. Did one of you know what you were doing and the other didn't? Neither of us. Yeah, we you were, didn't we, know what you were doing. We were completely I was writing young adult books, mm-hmm. um, and I had the idea that I wanted to be a TV writer. Mm-hmm. So that's all that existed. Okay. And I was working as a second assistant for, um, for an actress, Lauren Holly. Um, which basically meant I would like brush her dog's teeth and make manicure and pedicure appointments, um, and was so glamorous. And um, and Lauren had a TV deal at Columbia TriStar, and one day she came into the office and said, "Yeah, I have this deal. So if you come up with any TV ideas, let me know." Which we took seriously, um, and came up with a couple ideas that actually none of them were good for her, but we had, and this is where sort of fate comes in uh, in the form of great luck Um, we had a friend from high school who was an agent and so we gave him these treatments and he gave them to his office mate and said look you represent them now Um, and yeah (laughs) and then we had an agent did you guys know how to write a treatment at this point did you have any idea what you were doing I mean we were so green that this agent explained to us that we should do spec scripts which we thought was ridiculous (laughs) like why would we do write the episode of something that already exists (laughs) we would write our own show and was very forward she thinking, it turns us out. For about a year into that, we finally wrote spec scripts. Then we got our first job on a Saturday morning show. I don't know if I'm jumping to the no, breaking no. in part. 
And she said, you're the only staff writers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We hung up, and we go, oh, my God, we're the only writers on this whole show. <laughs> well, how are we going to do this? Well, we're just going to have to take turns. You'll write one script, and I'll write And the next day, we're saying to her, we go, well, how long, how long are we going to have? I mean, 13 scripts seems like a lot. She goes, what are you talking about? You're the lowest level people on the show, and you're the only people in that role. And that's how green we were. Because, you know, then, back then, so long ago, there wasn't as much information. You couldn't just, I mean, we, I didn't even know there, was, there were TV writers in high school. So it's just a different time. Interesting. So we got really lucky, though, with having a friend who, again, we didn't know that people couldn't get agents, you know. <laughs> Um, I, I want to get a little more specific just for a second and then we'll move on but obviously you knew you wanted to be a writer um, so you had that in your blood uh, what were early influences for you as far as writing the love boat <laughs> well and then I want to get to you also to talk about because it seems like you knew you wanted to be in entertainment necessarily uh, and a, possibly even a TV writer um, for me, I mean, I really, it was my high school English teachers were amazing. Uh, we went to this great school in Kansas City and had these amazing writing, uh, actually, English literate lit teachers. And then, truthfully, I, I mean, I went to college. I did no extracurriculars. I wrote, did not write for the paper or poetry or anything. I took one creative writing class. And then I ended up getting a job as a receptionist at a place that published and still does now. It's called Alloy Entertainment, young adult fiction. I love young adult fiction. I ended up being an editor for Sweet Valley High. I don't know if anyone remembers that. And so I really, there's, I've never done anything else. So it wasn't even that I really wanted to be a writer, but more that I had no other skills. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, Which is the reason a lot know, of us do and it. it. Was, and, and the only reason I ended up in that job was because I, my friend of mine was working there and I was getting so depressed over not having a job that he said, okay, that's it. You've got to be the receptionist at this place. Um, so, I mean, you know, influ- but so really, you know, literature teachers mm-hmm. were, were my influences. Mm-hmm. Not, not TV. What about yours? Yeah, I actually totally agree. We had really like just the best teachers um in high school our teachers were just absolutely phenomenal um and then in college i had a really amazing um english teacher and creative writing teacher named jim shepherd um who is i think just kind of opened up a whole world um for me and I mean, I sort of always wanted to be a writer, so I think I was more inclined to be paying attention to those amazing people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was kind of it. And and yeah, as Liz said, we didn't know anything about writing for television, movie, nothing like that. It just didn't even enter our consciousness. Um, and didn't really for me until I went to grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I don't even know exactly how that happened. I was... I did Teach for America after college, and at some point I was like, I think I'll write movies. Like, it, it made no sense. There was no, like, logical leap in my head. Um, Were you interested in movies as a, a younger adult or even as a teenager? Or was it just another way of telling stories it was for another, you? Yeah, it was yeah. really just another way of telling stories. Hmm. Um, and, of course, I've never written a movie ever. Um, I <laughs> just day. write TV, um, which is exactly what I want to be doing. So, um, yeah. 
So was when you guys got this uh, Saturday morning, was it an animated or a live action show? Live action. Live action Peter Engel's last uh, live sure. action Which show. Which one was it? It was called All About Us. It, it was not any no one's This must have been a trial by fire for you. I mean, coming in, did you even know what a script looked like by this time? Did you know how yeah. to put it together? The uh, act structure, anything like that? What did you learn on that first show? Or did you learn everything on that first show? <laughs> Huh. Or you can think about it and I'll come yeah. back. I, I mean, I don't I think we learn more about politics. Really? Really. How so? Um just you know, every show has its own unique dynamics. Um, yeah. <laughs> <and> <laughs> we'll get to you. <laughs> um, and you know, as the lowest level people, it was sort of easy for us to just kind of watch what was happening. And people got—I mean, it was a Saturday morning show, and people got fired. I mean, it was like wow. crazy drama. Um, <laughs> and so we just kind of got to learn to, you know, let's just say the network ended up uh, sending us each a massage because they felt bad for what was going on. It was—it was a little nutty. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, all right, well, we'll move on, and uh, we'll pick up there when we come back. Uh, Angela, tell us about your background as a writer, what influenced you uh, early on, and how you entered the business. Sure. Um, so I like, I was always like kind of a weird, introverted, artsy kid, you know? Like, I did, um, you know, drama and music and painted shit and <laughs> always wrote, like, from the time I was a little kid. Like, But I, I mostly wrote, like, prose and... Uh, Poems, and I also started writing plays like pretty young, um, and so that was kind of something that I always did. But I didn't have any concept that that was like something I could do as a job. Like my my family is like, you know, immigrant sort of working class, high school educated people. Like there's no concept that like you be a movie writer. Like that just doesn't like that's just not a thing. So I went where did to, you grow up? Um, in Irvine, so oh. Southern California, born and bred. Um, you know, like I've always lived out here, and uh, I um, let's see. I went to college in LA. I went to Occidental College, and I did. A, at first, I was going to study marine biology, but I was like, oh, I don't actually want to do that. So I studied English and theater. So I wrote tons then, and um, but then, like when I graduated, I did like a bunch of day jobs, and like I was a dot comer, like during the kind of dot com era and bust and stuff like that. But I always was doing theater in LA on the side. Like I produced a lot of stuff. I wrote a bunch of things, and then um, you know, like I had some plays that did well and got very good reviews, and people would ask, you know, for scripts, and you know, you know, do you have anything for TV or film? And this is where like. A smart person, where this is where a lot of people, their story is like, oh, and then I wrote a movie script in a week, and then that got me an agent, and blah, 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 but I wasn't that smart. Like, I was like, I don't really know how to do that at all. So, like, I just, I, you know, kind of did that for a while, and then I ended up going to grad school at USC, and I got an MFA in screenwriting. So then I kind of, like, properly learned how to write for TV and film, and so that helped me. That's not what everybody needs, but for me, like, it helped to have that structure. Um, I'm sort of, sort of curious about, um, yeah. we haven't heard much from the people who have gone to film school, especially the MFA screenwriting program. Sure. Um, I wonder if there were things that you took from that as you were going through the program that were sort of light bulb moments for you. You know, were there uh, realizations of, oh, oh, you can do things this way or, or things like that? Um, it really helped, like, in terms of 
I found it really helpful to have two years of my life where all I needed to do was write and where I didn't have to worry about paying my rent somehow, where, like, I didn't just have to deal with bullshit of, like, day-to-day, you know, day job or whatever. Like, just write, just write. And, like, I was always writing anyway, but it was always, like, the thing that I would squeeze in after a full day of work or on the weekend. And so it was nice to have, like you know, seven days a week, 365 days a year for two years where all I had to do was write. And that was great. And like learn all the stuff of production. And I find that working in TV where you're also the producer on the shows that you work on, you know, I had to take editing class and that was invaluable. And I had to learn like how to, how cinematography works. And I had to learn how directing works and like all that. So that was really, really helpful for me in what I do now. Um, and, you know, like, you learn structure and you meet people that are supportive. And so, like, all that was really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so I graduated grad school a couple years ago. At the same time I was doing grad school, I applied for a writer's mentoring program at CBS. And so I was doing that, like, in my last semester at the same time. And so then, you know, like, a lot of showrunners would come in and talk and agents and managers. And I ended up meeting my agents through that strangely before we kind of got to the big event at USC where most people if they meet their agents or managers do that mm-hmm. so I started going out on staffing meetings like in the last month or so while I was in grad school and I got staffed kind of like right out of school and so, so in a way your classmates bitter about <laughs> well I don't know like it could be but it's weird because like I was older than most of my classmates and I just kind of did everything backwards like I think most people like a lot of people go to grad school right away and then they do a long time where they're like writing and doing other stuff I did that stuff before I went to grad school so it's still been a long journey you know what I mean but and what was that yeah. first staff job um, a show for NBC called Day One, which never aired because <laughs> there was drama on that show, too. And it was pulled oh. before it ever uh, went to air. So that was sad. But it was a fun show to work on. It was like a going to be a big alien a invasion show. I liked I that pilot that script really a lot. Good, yeah. You know, I thought it was cool. All right. So. We'll, we'll pick up there when we sure. come back. Uh, Liz, what is your background? Where do you come from uh, as a writer? And what was your entree into the business? Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I, I, I'm from Michigan. I was also, like, sort of a weird kid. I also like, wrote a lot. I would, like, sort of adapt books that I'd read and, like, make all my, like, strong arm all my friends into, like, being in, in them. And then they would get mad at me because I was mean to them. And then, um, don't say the line like that. Yeah, like sort of. Um, but I wanted to be an actor kind of growing up and then uh, went to college still kind of wanting to be an actor. And and then just sort of like, I like realized I liked eating. Like I, <laughs> I, I was like not, you know, like I, I just, I, I couldn't deal with like face-to-face rejection. You know, and I, like the, just, I mean, I have so much respect for actors because I, I just, like, I can deal with rejection like via email through my agent, you know, <laughs> like not like to my face. Um, and and it just like, I think I like got dumped or like lost my virginity or something and I just like started writing about like, <laughs> about, like guys and like, you know, and then I was like, I really like this, this is good, like this is like filling some sort of weird like hole I have inside of me, you know, and I just started writing a lot and then like, like uh, wrote this 
super weird play about like Nikki Hilton like falling in love with a goth kid named Shithead and <laughs> that like you know with, I moved to New York after college and we put it up in New York um, for like $3,000 you know in the Fringe Festival and like uh, then that kind of led to this other job writing, adapting um, Hedda Gabler with robots <laughs> called um, sure. Hedatron um, <laughs> that like was also weirdly about my mother and then like kind of we, that was <laughs> that was like a weirdly like a big hit in New York <laughs> and then um, uh, then I wrote this other play kind of like just because I had a friend who worked in a literary management office like for a theater and her boss was on maternity leave and like she had like one reading that she had to schedule and she was like do you have a play and I totally lied and was like I have a play I have a play and then for like three weeks I just like sat in the New York Public Library and like wrote a play and um, then off of that reading I got an agent which was like kind of amazing and then like that play got put up in New York as well and I got this is like a totally weird story I Fox used to have this thing called like Naked TV which was like connected to this Naked Angels theater group in New York and they brought out it was it's a terrible idea and it no longer exists but they brought out these playwrights to LA to write 10 minute plays that could be turned into TV shows it's sort of like recipe for disaster but I wrote this 10 minute play and I got a pilot deal off of the 10-minute play. So that was like, uh, but it was like a really low-level pilot deal. And I didn't even like have agents in L.A. I had like an, a theater agent in New York. And like I couldn't get anybody, you know, on the phone from William Morris in L.A. Like, you know what I mean? For, and I had a pilot deal. But I didn't have final draft. Like, I, I, didn't know what, I didn't know what I was doing. And um, I like wrote Sluts. And then they shot it. So I like kind of went from like being a receptionist in New York, like you know, writing plays about robots, to like literally like being on the Fox lot in a golf cart, like looking at production designer books, you know, like like shooting a pilot. So it was it was like head spinning, and um, and 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 that didn't go to series, and then I. Um, got a movie deal off of that and wrote um, a movie that became No Strings Attached. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. I love it. I love it. Um, I, feel, I feel really good about it and I'm really okay with myself. So, I don't care what you say. Um, I love that script, yeah, no, by the way. Fuck right. buddies, right. fucking awesome. Yeah, all right. All right. Um, Ashton Kutcher held me like a baby and <laughs> sang a song to me on set and I'm going to have that moment for the rest of my life. Um, it was by David Gray. <laughs> um, so that's my like super weird, like not really, like it's a, a really weird story that basically I wanted to be like Gertrude Stein. I wanted to be like really a weird playwright who wrote like nonsensical plays about robots and then somehow ended up like running a sitcom on Fox. <laughs> if, you, if we had a nickel of every time we've heard that story on one of these panels. Um, let's talk about sluts for a minute. Let's. <laughs> um, tell us about that. So this was the pilot that you wrote out of this pilot deal that you got. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was that process like for you? I mean, it was crazy. Like, I, I, I'd never written anything for TV. I didn't know. I didn't understand it at all. And, like, I, I you know, I, um, 
I just I watched a lot of pilots and then I read a lot of pilots and and I I I made like a 10-page document of like different like really thought out like TV ideas because they they kind of put me with this producer and like I had to you know I was totally freaking out and and I wrote this like really detailed document and then at the very end I was like I wrote like nuns like Grey's Anatomy with nuns like as a joke you know and then I was like sluts like girls in New York that are like are like sluts like sluts trying to not be sluts or something. and then I like I get on the conference call with like the producer you know and the time difference in New York is always like so stressful and you're like oh my god and like conference calls it's like oh you, like, you have to get so used to conference calls if you work in TV um <laughs> And she was like, got on the phone, and she was like, okay, so let's move ahead with the sluts idea. And I was like, that's, that's not an idea. Like, that was like a joke at the end. That's like a funny word that I put on, like, the piece of paper. So, um, I mean, it, it, what I did learn is, like, I, I, can't, I can't really write unless I feel like I'm writing from my own experience. <laughs> from my own experience. But, like, I, I, I think that that was useful like when I've tried to write TV and in film, like about characters that I don't know, I, I always fail. And and I think Sluts was good because it was kind of just about like my world and my friends and the people I knew. And and New Girl, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, been around. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, and New Girl was like similarly like had a moment with. Uh, you know, a producer who kind of was like, no, stop, go back and write about what you know. And, I mean, it's like the oldest kind of adage. Yeah, and it gives us a great segue to Women's Murder Club. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You guys wrote what you knew. (laughs) Uh, Tell us about this show, uh, how it came about. Was this something that you... Uh, was it an original pitch? Was it again under this deal that you you know had to deliver a, a pilot, or and this was the one that people attached to? Uh, just take us through the the initial process of the show. We don't have to talk about the uh, end of it; just the beginning had, of it. No, we had a meeting, a general meeting at twentieth, uh, and we did not have a deal with them. We just okay. were off the shield, and we mm-hmm. didn't know if we were going to go back or not because there was a long hiatus. Um, and we actually had just finished writing a book because we had to write books to supplement our income on the shield because it was so low. Um, and so we, we had this meeting with them. We said, you know, we're completely burnt out and exhausted. We have no intention of doing any, anything. And they said, well, if we have something, should we call you? And we're like, oh, sure. I mean, why not? I mean, you know when you don't want anything, you're just so confident. <laughs> and so it never even occurred to us that they would call back. And they called with a series of books um, called Women's Murder Club by James Patterson, the number one best-selling author in the United States history. It's just quick to tell you. Just ask him. Uh, it's hard to prove that. And, um, which is whipped out at the Bel Air Hotel or something. But anyway, um, and, and funnily enough, my sister-in-law had said to me a year earlier, she said, Liz, I know what you and Sarah need to do. What? She said, you have to do a TV show of these books that James Patterson writes about these women who solve murders. So I had actually bought a book and put it next to my bed, never read it, because I never read a James Patterson book. And when I, we got this call, I, I mean, I knew it was going to happen. And I'll let you take it from there. Um, Joe Simpson was involved. Yeah, it was a 
great cast of characters. Um, <laughs> us and James Patterson and Joe Simpson. Um, and uh, and Brett Ratner. And Brett Ratner. Um, because that's such an obvious yeah. pairing. Um, Who doesn't fit in this picture? <laughs> well, I, actually, I wanted to ask you guys this. Is this the kind of material that you respond to? Why did they think here, of you for this? And why did you? Off the shield. Yeah. yeah, we were coming off the shield. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what appealed to us? Need I say more? The shield, James Patterson. Um, we what what appealed to us about it is you know we're obviously we're women. Um, we've been friends for a very long time, and sort of the heart of the show for us was these four women who are friends. Um, and you know we were obviously kind of steeped in a procedural mindset at the time. Um, so, I mean, it just seemed like, oh, yeah, that's kind of a great... We'd never written a pilot before, um, so we thought it would be kind of a great exercise in writing a pilot, um, which it was, except then it got made. Um, <laughs> and We were the people sitting in our office holding our stomach going, oh, God, don't, like, make this end. (laughs) (laughs) And then Brett Ratner, who was the director, um, was directing uh, Rush Hour 3. Rush Hour 3, which he was, you know, fully occupied doing. So we prepped the pilot with no director, um, and then... Eight days, which is not fun as your first pilot. We don't recommend it. Um, Eight days before the pilot started shooting, he officially dropped out. And we were like, yeah, no shit. Uh, We've been saying that might happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so we, like, got a new director very quickly um, who, of course, no one was happy. I mean, we really love him, but no one was happy because they wanted... Brett Ratner. They had the big name director attached, and then they got this, you know, really nice guy who did a really good job, but was not Brett Ratner. He's also a great director in his own right. Yeah, just he wasn't. But Brett he wanted Ratner. Flash, they wanted Brett and, Ratner. yeah. Um, so that didn't go well. So then um, we ended up scrapping that pilot, doing a whole other pilot, different director, and then the show got picked up. So it was just a very long, arduous, educational. <clears throat> process and through that we got our deal oh that's really? how we ended up interesting with the deal. which we funny. earned yes. uh, <laughs> it sounds like it. We got, but again lucky i mean lucky that well, you do a pilot and it go, it's made and it goes so yeah you know. well i think there's more than luck involved but we can get to that um once the show is up and running were you guys prepared to run this show yeah 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 um, we were because Sean Ryan, who Angela has also worked for, was really great. Who we worked for on the Shield mm-hmm. was great about letting writers do everything. So as was Josh, as was Josh we did. Yeah. So we had done editing. We'd been on set. We'd been in casting. We had done all of that. So that was that was great. We felt ready in that sense. Nonetheless, because and they of course because we had only been supervising producers, they put another showrunner. With mm-hmm. us, a guy named Scott Gemmel, who is the greatest guy on the planet, who we love. Um, now, Scott was very tired from eight seasons on ER. <laughs> so he was like, please, you guys do everything. Um, and, he, of course, he ended up doing a lot. But um, he wasn't like he wanted the show. You know, yeah. he did not want the show. Um, so we, there wasn't any power struggle mm-hmm. involved. Um, so, it, it, you know, I mean, of course we didn't know what we were doing. 
But, you know, I don't think anyone does until you're in that position. Um, and you just, it's a machine that's made to go forward. Mm -hmm. So, and, and we were lucky. I mean, it was a pretty, it wasn't yeah. that hard of a show. I mean, it's... And we didn't have any, five. the mm -hmm. network wants this and the show is that. I mean, we didn't have any no, of that we didn't. struggle. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But you guys didn't really, I mean, The Shield wasn't really a procedural, and Angel has elements well, of it. Didn't we discover that when we started <laughs> plotting mysteries? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out we really didn't. Luckily, we had one person on staff who'd been on Law and Order, so. He explained <laughs> the whole thing about how you have to introduce the guilty person in Act One. <laughs> uh, so now we know that. Now it all out. makes sense. Um, do you want to talk about the end of your involvement with that show? I mean, yeah, we got fired. What? Yeah. Uh, what? What happened? We uh, we we went on strike, you know, and then um, and I mean that was kind of it. Like point. it was very for us. It was completely out of the blue. There hadn't been any. Um, there had been no issues prior to the strike. Mm -hmm. um, well. <laughs> Do you want to speak about it elliptically? Um, <laughs> the only issue was James Patterson wanted the show to be something different than what we wanted and the network wanted. Um, he wanted kind of a more, you know, James Patterson-y, operatic, big, you know, um, kind of thing, which was not what the network wanted, um, at least as it was expressed to us. Um, and then we went on strike for four months, and he had time to kind of get uh, his desires out there to to the people who he wanted to express those desires to. Um, and we got fired, and they did three more episodes. Um, so we didn't watch. I didn't watch. Did you watch? I don't. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I only tuned in. I just had to say one thing. I tuned in, and one of the characters was saying, I'm not a feminist. And I just, like, that's all I saw. <laughs> and then it got canceled. And I, yeah. I think, didn't we hear that it was the highest rated Friday night show to be canceled? Drama. Drama, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, thank God. I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. It worked out for yeah, this. It clearly worked yeah. out for you guys very well. Um, but it's interesting to me that you kind of found the thing in this product that had been pitched to you that you could respond to. Um, and I want to take that over to you, Angela, about, you know, you've worked on sort of these critical darlings, uh, these, these two latest shows anyway. Um, were, you were a fan of Walking Dead when you came on. Yeah. What is it in that show that you respond to? Um... Well, like, for one thing, I've been a huge horror geek my whole life. Like, I just, I love zombies, and so, like, that is a big part of it. Like, I just, I love a zombie thing, um, you know? So I've always, I used to write weird, like, horror plays, too, and so, like, that, it just, it's something that appeals to me. Um, but then on top of that, like, I think, you know, they just, the show does some interesting things with character, um, like, I like that it was a horror show that was very grounded in these people and what the people are going through. And so, like, that was something that was a draw for me. And um, that's what we, you know, like, it, it, it's it's a challenge to balance, like, both kind of, like, the genre aspect of it with trying to make these characters as interesting as possible. So that's, like, the thing that we try to work on, like, all the time is, like, 
being entertaining and also like servicing you know the human story so you know like that's the kind of stuff that I like to watch so it's Mm -hmm. what I love working on and you said you're a fan of the comics too coming in have you found that to be a help or a hindrance to you in working on the show um it's uh it's a help, I think. Like the nice thing is that um, Robert Kirkman, who's the comic book writer, he's with us like almost every day. And um, I bought like my first three trade editions in this very store. In fact, <laughs> like I just I love the comics. I think they're really entertaining. Um, the show is different than the comics because there's like a there's some stuff that like you can't really do on basic cable <laughs> that you can do in a comic book. So that's part of it. But also like one thing that. Robert Robert's really been big on is like it's kind of cool to deviate from the comics sometimes so that there's surprises even for the comic book reader. So we try to stay true to you know like some of the big moments in the comic. Um, we try to kind of stay true to some of like the characters, but it's we have a lot of freedom to do our own thing. And in a lot of ways, the way we break the stories is just the same as it would be if there was no source material. Like, Mm -hmm. we sit around and go, like, well, what if it's this? And, like, maybe this is a cool zombie kill, or maybe that sucks, (laughs) or, you know, so it's just, it's a lot of that. It's a pretty traditional room Mm -hmm. show. I wonder, and this is the sort of nerdy question I don't allow the audience to ask, but um, (laughs) in the room, you know, you guys do have a small staff, but in the room, are there people who are not fans of the comics, or haven't even read them? Um, every, you know? but everybody's read the You've comics, all read them. And, yeah. Okay. Like we've all we've all read probably all of them. Okay. You know, so interesting. Yeah, I uh, mean we're all like geeks to different varying degrees. <laughs> I think like I'm kind of like higher on the geek scale, but you know, like it it just depends. Mm-hmm. You know, but all of us came from like very character based shows, like mm-hmm. you know, so it's. That's and, something that they wanted. Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess I have the same question about Terriers, uh, which I guess was the first show that you were on that actually went somewhere, yeah, yeah. got to air. Um, what was it for you? Did, did you love working on the show? Did you not like working on the show? What was it that you responded to? Um, I that when I read the pilot for Terriers, like it was just one of my favorite pilots I'd read in a long time. It also happened to come along at it. Like, I got hired on Terriers right as day one died, which that was sad. But, like, literally, like, those jobs overlapped by, like, a week or two. So part of it was just timing. Like, that's just a job that happened to be available. But it was a pilot that I loved because, like, another thing that I loved and was an influence on me growing up was, like, mystery stories. Mm -hmm. Like, I read tons and tons of mystery and detective shit. And so... um, you know, like I thought that it was a cool pilot about these kind of cool, scruffy, scraggly guys, and I, I just thought that it had a lot of potential to go interesting places. So, I was really psyched to get that job, and you know, so, and, and it was a good fit for you. Yeah, and sense. I was a fan of the people who were involved, and so like it was really, yeah, it was cool. Good. That's all we want to hear. Um, <laughs> it was cool. Awesome. Um, Liz, tell us about the years between Sluts and the New Girl. <laughs> um. The years between sluts. Well, I, that, I mean, I was working on the on No Strings Attached. I mean, it started out being Fuck Buddies and then became mm-hmm. No Strings Attached. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it, it was like a three year. I worked on the movie for like three years. Oh, really? um, believe it or not. How long did you work on it? <laughs> how long? <laughs> how long did you work on it on your own before getting outside interest in it? Um. Well, I, I, I went in for, I mean, off of the slut script, I got sort of like, I started just doing like the meetings, you know, around town where you have like, 
your car is filled with like water bottles and you're like dry, like I didn't you know I like didn't know like where to go ever I parked in the Jurassic parking lot at Universal Studio like I went to, I went to the theme park and then I was like walking around the theme park asking like where like I could find like DreamWorks or something and they were like they're like they, no one believed me you know I was, like, I was like no I'm half an hour late like I need to know um, and I, I got, I went into, uh, I, I went to Montecito, which is Ivan Reitman's company, and I met the, their people, and they pitched me uh, basically the title "Fuck Buddies," and I was like, I'm in. I, that, that, I'm, that was like what I wanted to do. I mean, I feel like I have the same kind of thing, like love of genre, but for me, the genre is romantic comedy, and I like just love like good romantic comedies, and I was just really wanting to make a, a story about modern day dating and love and and that you know fuck buddies was just like where i was at and uh, <laughs> from sluts to fuck buddies the lizard <laughs> um yeah and and so and then i wrote i wrote it i guess i turned it in like right as the strike was starting and then um how long did it take you to write that uh, or those early drafts it it took me um well, I, I probably wrote, I mean, I, I wrote the first draft in like three months or something, and, and that kind of was the one that got like sort of leaked out and everybody like read it, um, but it, it wasn't supposed to be, like that's the draft that kind of got on the, the blacklist or whatever, and it wasn't supposed to be released. It had like a, it's, it had, it, where like, I had written like, um, I guess there's supposed to be a montage here or something. <laughs> like at the top of like a page, it's like so embarrassing that everyone has that version of it. Um, but I don't know how that stuff happens. Um, and then, and then I guess like after I turn in the first draft, um, you know, the Montecito started getting more and more like serious about it, and um, you know, we'd slipped it to Natalie Portman and she came on like really really early like off of that first draft and so then it got you know became really like a serious thing and and I just worked and worked and worked with Ivan um on the script for like another two and a half years just like you know and in the usual kind of ups and downs of putting a movie together where it's like someone's attached and someone's not attached and you're like you know the money and the blah 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 and you know and it's a lot of like stop and start and it's like you like it's so easy to like get your heart broken I mean I think with TV at least it moves quickly and like you write it and like it goes or it doesn't go and like you know with movies it's like you can just really invest like a lot of time and energy and like there was a moment when I didn't think it was going to go and it was just like it was tough because you're like I just spent like two years on something you know um, and especially also coming from theater where it's like you know you know, everybody just gets together and puts on a show, and so it's like it's a totally different animal. And yeah, and then and then uh, Ivan kind of like was great and let me be on the set every day, and like I, I eventually became a producer on it, and just like learned so much in in the time of making it about how to make movies, and you know, and it's it's like the stuff you're talking about in grad school. I mean, you it's it's a different world, and you have to like learn. I mean, a set is like a you know, it's like, it has its own rules and you know things and it. I, I being inarticulate, but yeah, I mean, I, I learned I learned a ton and also just watching like Ashton and Natalie work and watching Ivan work. I mean, it was like really a gift. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and then they made another movie that was like our movie, but had a different title. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, what was the mood with uh, you and Ivan when that movie was <laughs> announced? <laughs> Uh, we we just we we are all just happy to be part of this creative community where we just want like we want everybody to just like be able to express themselves and I mean you know. Um, all right, I want to. I have a couple more questions, but I want to turn it over to you guys because uh, I'm sure you have many of them. Please remember that questions begin with an H or a W and not with an I. Actually, it's for Liz and Sarah, but I was wondering about with uh, Vampire Diaries. That show is amazingly well plotted. It's like a Swiss watch. Um, there's seriously, there's like no moment that doesn't end up being important. Because a lot of times in series like this, it's there's just lantern hung on things. You're like, oh, that's going to be important later. There's stuff on that show that doesn't seem important, and later it the whole thing turned on it. How did you ever get to leave the office? I mean, how much work actually goes into that much plotting? How much pre-planning goes into it? How do you break those stories? We did leave the office, but a lot of people did not. Um, that show really is such a kind of mind meld with Julie Pleck and Kevin Williamson. Um, that, you know, and really a tremendous writing staff. Um, but it just, it really does. It takes tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of hours. Um, that, you know, we at the time were like, okay, we know how that is going to work. We will be consulting producers <laughs> um, so that when, you know, it's getting time to go home, we can go home. Um, but, you know, Kevin and Julie, I, and this year I think it's more Julie um, even than Kevin, work madly. I mean, all the time, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. It's a great show. We absolutely fantastic. love the show, yeah. As well, consulting... Exactly. <laughs> well, that, that was my question. As consulting producers, how much were you involved with breaking the story, or were you pretty much given, you know, this is this is what the episode is, go off and write it? No, we spend, I mean, 90% of our time in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that the way, uh, so we were heavily involved, but, you know, things, they were, like, because it's so intricate and it it's so epic, um, so we're sort of, that's associated with it, um, there would be many incarnations of stories. Mm-hmm. You know, so, 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 I mean, really, at the end of the day, as Sarah said, it's Julie and Kevin and, and, the, and the writing staff, very dedicated writing staff. But we were, you know, we were heavily involved in, in the room. And, it, and we, it was a great, um, great people. And it is a situation where everyone is kind of contributing to every episode in terms of writing and rewriting yes. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot of what we call, is this... Gang banging is that a comment? Yes. <laughs> We've yes. been trying to get away from that, but yeah. Um, a guy on our staff likes to call it hootenannying because he, he thinks gang bangs nice. a little too. A little crass. Um, I'm curious about how Walking Dead is is done. Uh, we had Glenn here who kind of walked us through uh, how the show is broken and then broken up, uh, but remind us. Um, so we did this really interesting. Uh, structure in terms of writing scripts where you know like like a traditional room we all got together and started like throwing out general ideas and also like arcing out the season and you know we and because there's a break in the middle of our season like we're taking like a football playoffs break so there's like there's kind of like a mid-season finale and then it'll like restart and then then there's like another little mini season after that so we kind of like tried to arc out like 
in general terms the whole thing, but then like really specifically arcing out the first eight. And then um, we did a thing which I've never heard of being done, which is that all of the writers, we went off to write our script simultaneously. Um, and this was apparently a crazy idea that AMC hated, but Frank really fought for because he had done it on Young Indiana Jones, which was the one TV show he'd worked on. And the results speak for itself. And, um, <laughs> and um, it was amazing because it actually worked great. Like, we were all off, but we would all, like, kind of, like, you know, email or call or text each other with questions and, you know, be like, okay, well, I'm doing this in this episode. Like, are you setting that up or do I need to set that up? Like, you know, but it worked really great. Like, we were all, like, you know, a lot of times in a, in a uh, writing staff, like, there'll just be weird down periods or, like, people will be out of the room doing this or that. But we were all busy at the same time, so it was kind of a beautiful thing. And then at the end of, like, I don't know, 10 days or whatever, we had these seven scripts written. Wow. And they actually turned out pretty well. And then we had to go back and, um, I mean, considering that they were all done simultaneously, we didn't exactly know what came before. But then we went and uh, started kind of going through and fixing, like, what needed to be fixed. Um, but we had a lot of time to do that. How broken were they great. when you guys set off on your um, own? They were not, I mean, they were broken in terms of, like, the big beats. Mm-hmm. But we had a lot of freedom on this show to kind of do our own thing within the scripts, which is not the case on every show. Mm-hmm. Like, with Terriers, we would always beat out, like, every beat before you went off to mm-hmm. write. And that was not the case here. Like, we kind of had to, each writer was responsible for doing their own kind of like outlining process like mm-hmm. as long as you hit certain beats you could kind of like and then was the outline run through the showrunners or was it pretty um, much glanced at it was basically like we had to kind of do story documents for AMC so like they would look at that but those were like sort of general treatment style mm-hmm. things so it didn't have like every beat but just like the big emotional mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't know how it. specific you can get without getting spoilery but yeah. what episode were you tasked with um, I did episode, it was, it'll be sixth to air, but it was number two, because so, one and two got combined right. into okay. the first premiere. But, um, and so can you so tell us what the, what then, the big beats were that you had to hit, or is that too, that's too inside? super spoilery. Right. Yeah, like, there's, like, there, there's some shit that goes down that, like, I can't okay. really, you know what I mean? Like, that's wanna, right, that's yeah. right. We'll have you back. <laughs> so. Uh, Liz, tell us how the, uh, New Girl Room is run. <laughs> no, you were talking. I think she I just almost, started crying. No, I seriously like almost started crying. You're like, you're like, yeah, we like turn in some story documents to AMC, and I'm like, oh my god. Uh, yeah, uh, so network runs a little differently. <laughs> um, no, um, I, you know, I never, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing, and I, so I, um, I work, I work with these amazing guys, Dave Finkel and Brett Bear, who co- were coming off of running United States of Terra, and they worked on Thirty Rock and Joey. Um, uh, and they're like you know we we, and then I'm also working with Jake Kasdan who directed the pilot who's just like a genius and amazing guy and he's been around like he's an executive producer on the show and so he's around and it's sort of the four of us and then Catherine Pope is our producer who works at Chernin Entertainment um, and she it's you know like we're all kind of just like figuring it out as we go, and it's, t- I mean, it's, it's tough. It's like a new show. You're kind of, like, just trying to figure out what the best way to work is, and um, 
I had no, I, you know, I had no experience in a writer's room. So that was really new for me coming from the, uh, writing movies. It was really like the idea of group writing. Cause that's like, you know, pretty common in, on comedies, like where they just put the script up on a on monitor and everybody like mm-hmm. writes it together. And I'm like, also like coming from plays, I'm like, what? Like, you, can't, <laughs> you know, so, um, I, I literally, am like, I like ghost like type, you know, like I can't like let like the the writer's assistant is like typing, and I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> um, you know, it's my control issues. It's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, like I, 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 we, we sort of like we we had two months of pre-production where you just start like breaking and trying to get as much done as possible, and then you start shooting, and then everything just goes to shit, and then you're just like running to 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 catch up and and to stay ahead of everything and um it's good because our, our cast is amazing at improv and i love that feeling you know on set i love feeling like especially with comedy like you have to be able to just like open it up and if it's not working like just play the scene and see what happens and um that's definitely saved my ass like more than one time so um you know i mean i think we just basically are you know trying to survive. <laughs> uh, and, Are and, we all? Yeah, I mean, I should also say I have, like, an amazing writing staff, and, like, they, you know, like, they totally uh, support us and bring a bunch of new ideas to the table. Yeah, how many uh, on staff? Um, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm trying to think of, like, the actual, like... You can make it up, we're not going to check. Okay, I think it's, like, <laughs> I think it's, like, nine uh, right now, or, yeah, um, but, I mean, the, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's... Comedy is about punching jokes and like being in a room with somebody. And what's great is that I think everyone is is really funny and everyone makes me laugh. And that, so I mean, at the end of the day, you're like, I've been up for like two straight days and I have like dry shampoo in my hair and I'm like shaking because I can't like, <laughs> it's like I'm like too tired to eat or like breathe, you know. But then like somebody makes me laugh really hard and I'm like, okay, that was worth it. Like there's this joke coming up on, um, and like the fourth episode where like. Schmidt talks about like getting his hand stuck in CC the model's like cleavage, and he's like, "I want to get it stuck down there like 127 hours style." And then, like, it's like honestly, it's like one of our staff writers came up with that joke, and like it's when in like my darkest moments, like I keep like I, I like re- I repeat it to myself to like, make myself feel better. So, yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> I guess I have two questions. Uh, first is for Liz and Sarah. I'd be curious how your uh, trajectory from Saturday morning uh, into prime time or, or, or cable was, just because some, you know, sometimes you can get like cornered into that area. And then I guess also for uh, about the new girl. I'm curious. You just spoke about it a little bit, but as far as choosing the showrunner and all that. Were you part of that? Were they thrust upon you? Obviously, you seem to have a good relationship. And ultimately, the big creative decisions, are they still kind of your Bible or your idea, or is it really... I'm just curious about that process. Angela, take a break. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Liz and Sarah, let's start with you guys. We... Our agent... um, We... Wait, no, that was Glory Days. How did we do that? Uh-huh. <laughs> we, uh, while we were on the Saturday morning show, we we were our fear in life was getting pigeonholed as soft female writers. That was our fear in life. So all they're going to want to do is put us on Judging Amy. That was like, our fear. <laughs> and that's a great show, by the way, Barbara Hall. I love. 
Anyway, um, so we wrote an Oz spec script, um, which no one had done, and everyone thought was a horrible idea because nobody watched Oz. I mean, they did, of course, but you know, right. It wasn't a spec script it, it to write. Yeah, yeah, but it was right in there. Um, but we loved the show, and we wanted to be able to use the word fuck in our script. And <laughs> so we did that, and basically we had that, and then we had a once and again spec, which was you know the opposite. And that's why we were worried about the judging. <laughs> it started with the once and again. And so we, um, this, this, the real, really, I have, we have to thank this executive, Nicole Norwood, who's now at ABC Studios, who just read our scripts and really responded, and she just said, I'm going to get you on. Kevin Williamson has a show coming up called Glory Days, and I'm going to make it my business to help you guys get on it. And she did. I mean, he loved Oz. He loved Oz. And we were the only yes. people who had an Oz spec. <laughs> that's right. Which had nothing to do with the show, but he liked it. So, because that's what we figured. We go, we can't get showrunners to read us. But if one of them happens to like Oz, they'll be like, oh, let me read this rather than. I don't even remember what the big specs were. That what I, you know, I don't I have no clue. But anyway, and that worked. And so that's how we made the leap. And then our agent just just browbeat the people at Angel into meeting with us. Yeah, Liz. Yeah, they, um, sorry, it was about the showrunners and what they, I, I had worked with them, actually. I wrote a, a, another pilot after Sluts that didn't get shot, and they'd come on as, like, supervising um, sort of producers or whatever, and I just love them. Like, they're just, like... They're, like, really hard on me. They think I'm kind of crazy. Like, they, you know what I mean? Like, they're just, like, they're all tatted up. Like, they're just these, like, big dudes. And, like, um, I love them. And uh, they kind of, like, um, that's been a great partnership. Because if that wasn't working, like, it, I mean, you guys, it's just, like, that's that sort of personality political thing that you're talking about where it's like you need those people up at the top to kind of function together as a team. And I really feel that I have that with, with the people that I'm working with, you know, as showrunners. And um, they're just great at kind of like letting me go off and write when I need to be by myself, like writing. Um, they kind of keep the room going. And what's also great is that the network, like, sees us kind of as a group of three and listen I'm totally a part of like every creative decision and um and there just isn't any drama it's we just we're really lucky and because I I could see so clearly how that could go to hell so quickly if there if there was any drama so you know I've just been really been really lucky and it was good that we'd already worked together before because also making a pilot is so crazy that I think if we'd also had to like meet each other and get each other's personalities and styles while we were making the pilot, I, I don't think that would have worked, you know, as, as well. Um, Sarah and Liz, you guys brought up an interesting point, which I think is worth addressing, that you didn't want to be pigeonholed uh, and stuck on uh, judging Amy or something like that, uh, sort of a soft show. And I think, you know, we should address this absolutely because we have this opportunity, but are there expectations for all of you as women writers that uh, whether it's pigeonholing or whether it's handling certain material, I'll tell you very briefly for you guys who weren't here last week, uh, Charles Murray was here. And Charles has just come off of selling something, but when he went to sell the script, he was pitching. Uh, and he, the first thing he was pitching was uh, this soap. 
that I think took place in the South, and people wouldn't take him seriously, and he had to turn to them and say, I understand that I am a six-foot-four black man <laughs> pitching you a heavy serialized soap about feelings, but you need to trust that I'm a writer and can do this. Uh, has this been your experience, too, as women? <laughs> I find blowjobs are really useful. <laughs> Just, you know. <laughs> and getting jobs and anything. <laughs> that got me on judging Amy. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm sorry, I'll just jump. I, I definitely like it's weird. It's not great. Like there are some real assholes out there. Like you know, I mean, I think there has been a sea change for in comedy recently for one reason or another. Thank God, where people think that women are funny all of a sudden, and America seems to think so too. And that's been really great. Um, and uh, yeah, but I mean, when I first got here, there was a lot of like executives that. Um, you know, they're kind of like, well, a woman can't open a movie. That was like the, you know, that was the sort of uh, understanding, like not even, not even up for discussion kind of thing. It was like a woman can't open a movie, so you'd have to figure out a way to like get a man in there. You know, and it's like, I think with Bridesmaids, I think that helped a lot. And um, I don't know, you know, I mean, uh, I've always been similarly like wanting to be like thought of as someone who can actually tell a joke and not just like, write a scene where like someone drops all their books on like the street and like, <laughs> a guy like picks them all up. <laughs> Were there well, moves? I, <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I do too. I do too. <laughs> you guys wrote a once and again, so. <laughs> yeah, so we're there. But in my version, she's like, "Fuck, fuck." Yeah. <laughs> were there moves in writing uh, the movie to kind of make it more male-centric? Um. No, I mean, I, you know, because Natalie came involved, became involved early, like, she was a, a really big advocate for her character, and, um, you know, I think, and, and everybody obviously wanted her to have as much to do as possible, and she really wanted to be funny and, you know, get stuff to do, and, um, but yeah, we didn't have, like, that sort of a, that sort of pressure, I think. Um, and yeah, well, I was just—I think it's a bigger issue, not really our fear in terms of what people expect, but more just once you're actually on a show. Um, and what I will say that I think has been very helpful for us is being a team because, uh, and this can all change. And we've worked with great guys, so I don't want anyone to think we haven't because we really, really, really have, and we're very lucky in that. But women's voices cannot be heard. We have a friend who says it's like your dog whistle, and you know, no, only the other women can hear you. Um, and so, and often there's only one female writer on staff, and so. It's often. So, for, and, and Glenn is great about acknowledging. I mean, he's yeah. not like that, so that's good for you. Um, but anyway, um, Sarah and I found that we can say, I like if sh if I say something. Mm -hmm. And everyone ignores it. She can go, well, what about what Liz said? And I can say, well, wait, I like what Sarah pitched a few minutes ago. <laughs> or I can say, well, Sarah said that five minutes ago, but everyone ignored it, you know, <laughs> more pointedly. Um, so, I mean, that for us has been hugely helpful. That, which doesn't help anyone who doesn't have a female writing partner. But, <laughs> but Glenn, um, actually, it's interesting you brought that up. Glenn actually on The Shield sat us down one day and said, what's like, how do you feel like you're being heard? Like, are you... 
what's going on. Well, that's on. because we were criticized for harping on yeah. ideas. And we said it's not that we're harping on ideas. It's that people aren't listening to our ideas. So we feel the need to harp. And three hours later, he came back. He said, you're you absolutely know what? right. That's true. No, everyone glazes over the minute you open your mouth. And he really Jesus. made an effort. And these are great guys. It's not, yeah. it's just that, it's, I don't know what, and one of whom has now my husband. <laughs> <laughs> he was never like that. He listens um, now, right? No, yeah, he listened then too. But he, I mean, it's right. Blowjobs. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was, he was a level above me. I, no, but, but so the writer's speak. rooms are just weird places. Weird. And anyway, Glenn made a point of, of uh, rectifying that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as He's the only woman on, on the staff, uh, are you heard? I mean, obviously, Glenn makes an effort. I think but. Glenn makes an effort. But, I mean, it is a thing. Like, I don't think it's ever conscious. But, like, I think sometimes guys, like, develop this, their own sort of shorthand right. and language. And you don't always want to be the chick that's like, ah, oh, you're kind of pitching that woman as a bitch. Like, you still, like, that's a drag, you know. But there is, like, a weird thing, like, from when I was, like, first going out on meetings and stuff, like, more than one female writer who had broken in was doing okay was like oh like when you go into a meeting curse a little bit because like uh, I was like really and it's like and showrunners had even told them oh like when you said fuck like I knew that you were cool like you're not like you're not like an okay you know like you're an okay chick but like that's like a thing like because like these rooms traditionally do tend to be very male dominated they like worry about like are you going to not be okay if we're politically incorrect? Can you hang with, Can the, you cool hang with the dudes? <laughs> like, but, you know, like, you guys, too, like, I'm, my niche is kind of like, I'm a chick that works on these very, like, male-centric mm-hmm. shows. Like, that's the stuff that, like, I enjoy it, but it is, like, a very, like, it's its own beast. And I think, like, you know, what you're saying about, like, being in a writer's room, like, it can be weird, because, like, I think most writers, like, we were all kind of, like, solitary, like, we've made up stories in our head, and we're, like, sitting on our computers, and then all of a sudden you're thrown into this group situation, where you have to, like, learn how to, like, hive mind a story, and, like, that's, like, a learning process. It's really different. But it's great at its best, you know? Uh, I think we have time for one more question. This better be great. (laughs) Um, You all kind of touched on breaking in and having no fucking idea how to write uh, for TV. Could you tell she was cool when she yeah, said that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. Totally cool. I'm actually really cool. Um, and a couple of you mentioned that you went to grad school, but for those of you who didn't, how did you transition from like not understanding anything to being able to get a job doing it? Can you recall one very important thing that you learned that you carry with you to this day? I know. I think, um, honestly, on our first job, it was to keep our mouths shut. Yes. Um, hard, hard. <laughs> but, yeah. And we've heard about this a little bit from other uh, guests, but how do you learn that? I mean, were you guys talking too much? people off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they let it be known. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that, that was a big one. I feel like I'm just now, honestly, learning how to write a script. <laughs> I said that to write every day, the whole 10,000-hour you know, mm-hmm. Malcolm Gladwell. I said, yeah. I think I finally feel that, one, turning 40, and two, I like the 10,000 hours, I do feel like now I've, sure. I'm slightly, I mean, you can ask, I mean, I, I am the person every single script says, I quit, I'm going back to New York. <laughs> From the first one until just, like, 
now. I mean, it could happen again on this next trip. It hasn't yet, but I mean, it used to really freak me out. Now she has a husband and a baby here, so yeah. I figure it's probably. But I would be on the phone 6 a.m. crying to my sister, I'm coming back to New York, because it, it's hard. And so I'm just now, I don't know how you, I mean, it's just doing it. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you guys? Are there things that you guys? You're working on two pilots now, right? And are there things you're, you've taken from your past experiences that you're applying to these pilots? Yeah. Well, first of all, the Everything. pilots we're doing are both the girliest pilots yeah. <laughs> that it's possible to even imagine. Is it that Judging Amy reboot? <laughs> um, I mean, more, more so. <laughs> from the Shield to us, one of them is about ladies who sell makeup. Um, And interestingly, Fox asked us to find more male points of of entry um, because it's a super, uh, it's a very female show. Rightly so. Yes, and they were very concerned, like, what guy is going to watch this? Um, And we actually added a a major male character to meet that note, and it's better. I mean, it really is, it made a big difference, and it's much, much better. Um, So maybe that's something we've learned is sometimes... Sometimes, (laughs) Sometimes <laughs> networks have have good notes. <laughs> I had a friend actually who told me this is a little racy, but you know, she was like, uh, she was like Hollywood. Being a woman in Hollywood, you have to learn how to be a power bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like you got to get what you want while you're getting fucked. <laughs> Um, the, the, the point of that is like you deal with I think I you deal with a lot of like big personality like big male personalities I think especially when you're starting off and like kind of knowing how to navigate that and and be heard and and get your ideas across without sort of stepping on any egos or toes I think that's you know I think that's a sort of dance it's avoiding yeah. the word shrill being attached yeah. to you yeah. yeah lower lower your voice like really <laughs> Just say fuck a lot and like speak really lowly. If you take nothing else from this night, <laughs> say fuck a lot and speak really low. Uh, please give a round of applause for my guests, Liz Kraft and Sarah Fain, Angela Kang, and Liz Merriweather. Thanks to 826LA and everyone here at Nerdist Industries and Meltdown Comics. Good night. Now leaving Nerdist.com.